Welcome to B2B Marketing Needs Don Draper, brought to you by True. For too long, B2B has lacked creativity and inspiration, leading to alarming declines in effectiveness and marketing departments being slowly devalued more and more within their organizations. We're here to change that by getting under the skin of what it really means to be a highly effective B2B marketer. We'll be speaking to some of the brightest minds in the industry to discuss what they're doing to be a bit more, well, Don Draper. And now, here's your host, Stuart Black. Joining us today on B2B Needs Don Draper is Kirsten Stagg, Marketing Director at Skoda UK. She's led the team responsible for the remarkable transformation of the brand in the UK. Her team has delivered record marketing performance, market share and profit growth, and delivered a 53% increase in average selling price of their cars, all of which has elevated the centre of gravity of the Skoda brand. Using creativity and self-deprecating humour, she's helped transform the brand into an incredible success story. So Kirsten Stagg, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. First off, what does being a bit more Don Draper mean to you? Well, it's it's something that I'm really passionate about. I think um, it's so important to uh, really champion creativity when you're in a role like I am. Um, the car industry is really interesting because actually a lot of car advertising and car communications are really similar. Um, you see lots of nice pictures of cars driving around winding roads and um, car- cars, you know, looking gleaming and beautiful, but actually um, without having any real kind of creative standout or, or cut through. So for me, it's about really always trying to find uh, a new angle to entertain people, uh, be more creative, more storytelling, all of those great things. A little bit more edge. Well, we'll get into that, I'm sure. Uh, But first, let's talk about the transformation of the Skoda brand, a remarkable story. Skoda used to be the butt of playground jokes and, and a tricky proposition for car buyers, but now it's taken very seriously. Tell us how marketing helped refresh the perception of the brand. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just reflecting on it earlier, actually, because we're about to, well, we're just launching our Enyaq Coupe IV, which is our most expensive car to date. So it starts at uh, just over £54,000. I was, I was just reflecting on how we've come from selling cars that are under £10,000. And and now we've got customers queuing up to buy cars over 50000 I think marketing's had a a huge role to play in this, but I guess it really started back with when Volkswagen Group took over the Skoda brand back in 1991. So that kind of like set everything in motion. And so really the transformation started from the product. Um, and, and the situation we found ourselves in was the cars were becoming increasingly better, but we still had the old perceptions of the Skoda brand and we needed to really change how people felt about Skoda. I guess that's where the traditional marketing comms came in. And we've been on a, a pretty long journey, actually. I first joined the Skoda brand uh, in 2000, and that was back when we launched the It's a Skoda Honest campaign, if you remember that. And, and that was really about confronting it head on, being quite um, self-deprecating and, and like confronting all of those perceptions and challenging people to, to change their mind, but doing it in a way that was you know quite fun and we didn't take ourselves too seriously. So I think that's where, where it's the, the role of marketing started and then has you know, continued on from there, basically. 
Well, well, let's talk about the Honest campaign. It was in many ways quite a brave thing to do. I suppose you could argue that you you had to do something radical to shake up that brand image. Um, Can you talk us through the process of deciding to to embrace uh, that that self-deprecating humour, that creativity? Yeah, absolutely. And I, in no way could I uh, claim credit for it. Uh, I, was very, uh, I was very new into my career back then, so uh, I, w- I wasn't the mastermind. But yeah, it was, it was really about recognising that, you know, Skoda was quite a, a small brand. With it. it had a small share of the market back then, around about 1%. So I think we recognised that if we wanted to cut through and stand out, we had to do something differently. And by pretending that uh, some of those old perceptions were there, you know, that wasn't going to be enough. We couldn't just pretend them and, and carry on. So, we, you know, we had to confront them head on. But it was really brave. So it was my, my first uh, marketing director boss, a, a guy called Chris Hawkin, who was r- really a huge, huge fan of um, creativity. And um, it was when we worked together with Fallon for the first time. And we we actually still work with Fallon. We've got... Um, a really great partnership that has spanned over all of those, all of those years. Um, you know, built built great great trust with them. I really love the ad uh, where you have potential car buyers trying to escape the dealership once they realise the car they're about to buy is a Skoda. Uh, when pitching that to the leadership team, were they nervous? Do you remember how how did you overcome uh, any jitters there? Yeah, I mean, it's always hard, isn't it, when you're trying to do something for the first time because you you don't have the benefit of history to demonstrate that what you want to do works. And so you have to have, you definitely have to have a leap of faith. I think one of the big challenges that we had was that in the UK, our customers were a little bit different. So, for example, Skoda in the Czech Republic is the number one car of choice. Everyone, everyone drives Skodas, they're their friends, their family. So people kind of know how good the cars are. And so we had to really help them to understand that UK consumers are actually quite cynical. You know, we have like quite a ruthless sense of humor. And so that there was definitely an, an education that had to go there. But um, yeah, it, it was it, it was a brave move because if it hadn't been successful, then I think it would have been quite uh, controversial. Mm, absolutely. And what, what were the results in terms of audience sentiment, for example, or market share or, or any other metrics? Yeah, I mean, it, it was phenomenal in terms of like making people notice the Skoda brand. We'd always, um, with motoring journalists, we'd always had um, a really great reputation. So in 2000, that was the first year that we won what car overall car of the year. So the journalists had already kind of twigged and it was the marketing campaign that made customers start to to realize that the um that the brand had changed but i think you know what's interesting about brands is it they don't change overnight do they so we've been on a journey you know for all of this time so for kind of 20 years still continuing to um you know move on perceptions of the brand and and grow the brand and be able to um you know expand into segments we thought we'd never be able to to go into so yeah it's been a lot a long journey and we we keep you know we keep pushing on it and and uh, remind us where you are now. You don't run those kind of self self deprecating ads so much anymore. What's the current strategy? How how have you moved on from that initial repositioning? Yeah, so we we've moved on a bit. So um, back in uh, 2016, which is when I rejoined the brand, we moved to uh, kind of a slightly more emotional storytelling um, style of advertising because we, we recognise that people aren't sat around at home waiting to, uh, you know, see what's the, the latest ad that's come out from, you know, w- whichever car manufacturer it might be. So we wanted to start being more kind of relevant, 
a bit more, you know, in, in line with kind of popular culture. So that was when, uh, for example, we partnered with Paloma Faith. That was a really, really successful partnership for us, actually. And it started to help us move the brand uh, into a space where we were attracting different customers. So much more women into the brand. So we've historically been had quite a, a male demographic um, audience. And we started attracting younger customers to the brand. Again, we were, you know, historically, we've been predominantly a, an older demographic. So we moved on to that. And then more recently, we started to um, just try to be really confident about our, our products. So we don't we don't joke about our cars anymore because we recognize that, you know, tw- 20 years later, we're, we're past that. Um, but we still try to retain the uh, storytelling and, and the, the human the human element, um, but also just try and be a little bit fun and entertaining. Well, I was going to ask, what emotions specifically are, are you trying to inject into the category today? Uh, what's what's key for you at the moment? I mean, at the moment, uh, if I take this year, for example, we've just tried to be uh, bring a little bit of joy. I think uh, we've had we've had a few um, challenging years. So so this year, our, our comms have been quite lighthearted. So most recently, we had a, a campaign for the Kamek, which is our smallest SUV. And um we we had the idea to like br- bring to life the story of that car through um, putting the car through its paces as if it was um, a dog at Cruft. So you know, really just quite a playful idea, not not taking ourselves seriously, but also you know um, not being apologetic about the car. So we've kind of moved moved a little bit more to putting the car uh, a bit uh, front and centre. Also, mm. it's a great story, very inspiring. Um, what lessons do you think B two B marketing can take from what you've done? Well, I think, um, you know, one of the key things is about uh, recognising that building brands takes a long time and a sustained effort. Um, so uh, I think it's really important to commit to be, to being on that journey over the long time. There's there's always a lot of pressure to focus on uh, like kind of short term, short term metrics and, and short term tactics. Uh, so, for example, in the car industry, um, you know, your sales colleagues will typically want you to put an ad out there telling people like, uh, what's the what's the offer on the car? So how much can customers save and things like that? But I think it's really important to strike that correct balance between brand building and then the more kind of short term activation. So we always try and, and, and work really hard to protect that that balance so that we're, we're always um, moving forward from a from a brand perspective. And really, you know, getting your getting your stakeholder, you need to get your stakeholders on board for that because there's always pressure on on budgets and you know always much debate about how to deploy your budget. So um, that's definitely a, a lesson for me about like making everyone else, so your sales colleagues, your finance colleagues, make everyone feel as committed to building the brand and moving the brand forward as you are uh, within the marketing function. Interesting. Um- and let's talk about Volkswagen. They bought Skoda in the 90s, invested a lot of money into the brand. How much has Skoda benefited from the association with VW? And how much do you intentionally work that into your comms? Yeah, so, um, I mean, uh, uh, being part of the Volkswagen group has been like a huge success story for, for Skoda in the UK. And uh, the, the benefit for Skoda is that, you know, customers are really familiar with the fantastic quality, the engineering heritage and all of those great things um, that are associated with, with Volkswagen 
group and particularly Volkswagen brand cars. So that's really worked for us. I think um, it helped us a lot with the journalists because they um, are very aware of the association uh, and what that that brings to it. But from a, an outward customer communication perspective, we, we we don't talk about that. So we, we focus on what the Skoda brand brings. Uh, I guess like behind the scenes, there, there is the association that works in our favour for sure. Uh, and then let's talk about uh, the fact that car buying is a big purchase. There's a lot of emotion involved in that. People are massively influenced by what their friends and family say about the purchase. So a big part of what you do is talk to people who will probably never even buy a Skoda. Can you explain that that kind of approach? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think typically a customer would go, for example, three years be- between buying a car and then repurchasing again. So it's a really long window of time. And of course, um, a lot can happen in that time. So we focus a lot on making sure that we kind of remain front of mind and that we're, we keep the brand um, relevant. But also we we recognise that we can't just funnel all of our money into talking directly to our customers because we want to obviously grow the brand, but then also influence others around them. We did some research this year and in car buying, it's hugely important what your friends and family think of your purchase. And, um, and generally people will have, will have a view. It's a really big purchase and, and, and people do have quite clear, um, ideas of which brands they think are good and which ones they think are a good investment. So yeah, we we do spend a lot of time trying to influence kind of more broadly, whether it's through PR or social or that, you know, some of our kind of big um, broadcast media activity to just, you know, generally influence uh, beyond our customer base. Well, let's go into that a bit more. That's that's almost like having two messages. You've got, on the one hand, rational car buyers who can see that the car is technically on par with the competitors. And then you've got this larger audience uh, who are more emotive and, and not car enthusiasts. How do you how do you manage both of those at the same time? Yeah, so so the way that we we look at it is we almost um, you know work from I guess if you were to call it a um, a traditional funnel. So like right right at the top of the funnel, we try to focus on um, emotional comms. So you know with great storytelling, you know very human and and actually quite light in terms of the uh, detail that we'll give about our products. So so there you know it's really just about creating an overall impression. And then we work through all of the different kind of layers, if you like, of that funnel. Um, what we try to do is make the right level of content uh, available to, to the right people. So then beneath that, we'll have a whole layer of activity that's more about like then starting to bring to life the models. So uh, bring to life. So, for example, we're launching the Enyaq Coupe. So that will be helping people to understand what's it like to live with the, you know, the coupe as an electric car, uh, showing them like people like them that that might have chosen the car and some of the great features. And then as we get kind of more down the, the tactical end of the funnel, we'll make sure that it's easy for people to understand, can I afford this car? How much is it going to cost me to run? What are the latest offers? Where can I find available stock? You know, and all, all, all of those much more kind of conversion focused activities. So we try to make sure we've always got like a good mix of activity running at the same time. And you mentioned electric cars there. The car industry is going through a massive change as everyone at least considers moving to an electric car. Um, do people have a different consideration set when thinking about that? 
Yeah, it's absolutely fascinating because the if we talk about internal combustion engine cars, people have like very well established perceptions of them. They have a lot of experience from themselves and from their friends and family of what they think about those cars. And what we've seen with the electric vehicles is we're having customers come to look at us, consider our cars and buy our cars that have never, ever bought Skodas before. So coming out of, you know, really premium marks and coming into to Skoda. So we track our consideration both amongst like all customers who are intending to buy a car. And then we also look at a subset, which is customers who are intending to buy an EV. And we see that our EV consideration is 16% higher than our overall brand consideration. So that's like really interesting pretty exciting for us as we like transition to being an electric vehicle manufacturer because it it opens up like a really big opportunity um, for us where it would appear that customers being much more open-minded about the brands that they'll consider. Yeah, that's fascinating. And, and does that mean that you're now doing more e-commerce sales than through traditional dealerships? So, um, so for us, e-commerce is kind of like our, our next step. So, so this year we um, we gave customers the opportunity to to pretty much do uh, the entire transaction online. So they can come to our website, they can find out what cars we've got, uh, the monthly payments, they can get their finance uh, agreement approved, uh, and then all all they literally need to do is to um, pay their deposit at, at the retailer, and then next year we'll be going one step further with a, a complete end-to-end e-commerce um, function. And it'd be really interesting to see how many customers want to do that because, of course, it's such a big purchase that some, you know, there's a really important role that our, our retailers play because people want to sit in the cars, they want to drive the cars and experience them. But what we want to do is make sure that we give our customers the uh, the opportunity to 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 engage with us however they choose. So whether that's through a traditional uh, route through one of our retailers, then that's fine. But also we want to give them the option of um, like sitting in the comfort of their sofa and, you know, and um, and ordering the car from, from the laptop. You'll have to come back on once that's matured and, and tell us how, it, how it's gone. Because at the moment, it's very hard to sort of see people not wanting to get in there and, and smell the smell the leather and the, and the, and, and touch the trim and all that sort of stuff. Um, How much of your budget in e-commerce is focused on brand building versus demand gen? And how is that different to the dealership model? I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Because um, essentially uh, we see e-commerce just as another route to um, purchasing a a vehicle. So when we go live with our full e-commerce proposition next year, we will have a, a small amount of money dedicated to helping customers find that route. But overall, we're going to stick to to our plan about making sure that we're we're present where we need to be. So building the brand, then helping customers to find us on our website, and then the choice is up to them. So rather than uh, carving up the budget, if you like, through the traditional model and the e-commerce model, we're going to focus on how do we best help customers understand what the brand's about, understand what our product's about, and then they they can choose whichever whichever route works for them. And let's talk about um, share of market. We know that only about 5% of people are in the market for a car at any one point. How do you talk to that 95% to make sure you're always in people's uh, consideration set? 
Yeah, it's it's really tricky, isn't it? Particularly with um, media, you know, recently with media inflation, it, it's very expensive to be uh, on TV. And I think AV can play a really important role here because we know how powerful AV is for um, engaging uh, with customers and, and, and changing perception. So we try to maximise our AV presence as much as we can. And um, I think, you know, partnerships and sponsorships can play a, a really important role role there just making sure that that you have a, a a regular a regular presence but then with our customer base and our prospect base we um we invest a lot of time in crm activity also to make sure that we're just always kind of quite light touch but keeping people informed and uh, making them feel connected to the brand and social of course as you said uh, just a little bit earlier, a lot of car adverts today look exactly the same. Nice cars driving through slick city streets. Why don't we see more car manufacturers being more creative and giving us something something different? Yeah, I think one of one of the big challenges that we have is obviously um, with the pressure on, on budgets. There there is a, a huge amount of pressure to um, take global creative. So you know instead of having each market creating, you know, investing money in production and creating their own advertising. Clearly, from a cost perspective, uh, the finance <laughs> the finance guys would say, well, just make, make one asset and, and use it across all of your markets. But, um, of course, customers are really different in different markets. I mean, it's fascinating for me when I go and meet with my counterparts and I'll be in a room with, um, for example, the marketing director from the Czech Republic, where his customer base is quite traditional. Skoda's really well established. So they have like totally different requirements to, you know, maybe ourselves or the Dutch or, or, or the French. So, yeah, it, so I think cost, you know, cost pressure is a, is a really big one. Also, um, you know, car manufacturers tend to be very much led by engineers. We're led by people that absolutely love cars and we think that everybody else loves cars and is as knowledgeable about cars as we are. So, we always try to like wind it back and think about, well, hang on a minute, maybe the customer's not sitting around waiting to, you know, waiting to know how fast this car can go or what size the alloy wheels are. And we, we, tr- we try and make it more, more relevant to them and, and, and be more entertaining. So, yeah, so I think probably a combination of financial pressures and also the fact that, you know, a lot of, a lot of car brands are, um, are run by people who are, you know, really passionate petrol heads. Mm-hmm. And broadening things out a little bit then, um, what other brand marketing over the years has your team been influenced by, uh, whether in B2B or B2C? Yeah, so, um, I mean, we were always very inspired by, um, back in 2016, when we started being more kind of like attitude-led in our, our comms, we were, we were inspired by brands like um, Guinness and their work that they did made of more. We, we felt it had loads of heart and we really liked the, the storytelling behind it. And then um, more recently, I think as we've moved towards just trying to be perhaps a little bit more entertaining and uh, tap into popular culture, brands like McDonald's who do, they do like a really great job actually of being, you know, showing that they understand like real people and, and, and what they need, but they do it in kind of a, a nice um, entertaining way. So, yeah, I mean, we're always looking outside automotive to to see what, what we can do. where we can take inspiration from. That brings us to the rapid fire round where I'm going to just throw a couple of choices at you and I want you just to respond from the gut. Tell me uh, one or the other. Don't think too hard. Are you ready? Okay. Yes. 
All right. Number one, emotion or rationality? Emotion. Logic or magic? Magic. Brand building or lead generation? Brand building. Um, If you focus on building the brand, then the leads will come. Obviously, you have to like make sure you have all of your your, your good sensible stuff in place to make sure you help that customer work, you know, work the way through the funnel. But you can generate leads with brand building, but you can't uh, generate brand building through lead gen. So I think it has to, it has to come from the top. Good answer. Okay, moving on then. What's the problem with B2B right now? It's a good question. I think at the end of the day, B2B customers are just people, aren't they? They're, they're human beings um, who have busy jobs and busy lives. And uh, they still you still need to catch their attention and catch their imagination and, um, you know, all of those good things. So I wonder whether there's just perhaps uh, a little bit of um, lack of focus on, on that area and too much focus on the sensible stuff. So... Of course, you have to do CRM and you have to get your search strategy right and, and you know, and all of those things. So I, perhaps a, a little bit more creativity would help. Mm, good stuff. And then that brings us to Don Draper. If he could come into the room and help fix the problem, what do you think he would do? I think he would look to find that human truth that sits behind everything and that, that spark of creativity that could help you connect with your customers and bring that message to life in a really compelling way. All it leaves me to do is uh, say thanks to our guest today, Kirsten Stagg. Well, thank you so much for having me, Stu. It's been great hearing about all your thoughts and your, your great experience at Skoda. Uh, I'm Stuart Black, and see you all next time on B2B Needs Don Draper. Draper.